Welcome to Puritans Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 7 of The Wiles of Satan. Demonstration 6. A sixth demonstration with which I shall close this first general heading of Satan's ability to tempt is from the suitableness that is between his suggestions and our corrupt reason. He cannot in the least offer violence to the soul or break in upon it by a forcible entry, whether it will or not. The body may be liable to his violence, but not the soul. The assertion of Bonaventure is true. The devil may allure. God alone can effectually change but none can compel us. When therefore he tempts to sin, he insinuates himself by such topics as are pleasing to carnal reason and apt to beget a ready compliance with his suggestions. To profane and atheistic wretches, he suggests that religion is but a cunning and devised fable, a mere scarecrow set up by preachers to keep simple and weak people in awe, that heaven and hell, things so much spoken of, are but imaginations, the one a pleasing dream and the other a false fire that frightens more than it hurts, and that they which seem to dread it most are yet sometimes venturous enough to do such things from which a flaming toffet should wholly restrain them. Now what dry tinder sensual hearts are to such suggestions that fall upon them as sparks. Who can be so blind as not to perceive? Are not these their secret wishes that their were no God to judge them, and no hell or prison of burning flames to torment them? Do they not do what they can to cut off the hand of conscience that it may not smite them, and to put out its eyes that it may not see them? How easily then are they drawn into that opinion which they would gladly have to be a truth. And how justly left of God are they to such horrible delusions that sinning without fear, they may perish without remedy. Others again, who by convictions are awakened to some more serious apprehensions of God and religion, By specious suggestions, he persuades that the strictness of life, which some few pretend unto, is but an affectation of singularity, in which they strive not so much to be like God as to be unlike their neighbors, that it is a heavy yoke which they put upon themselves, and none of that easy yoke and light burden which Christ commanded them to take upon themselves. They need not fear, but that they shall speed well enough 
though they are not so scrupulous as others, who stick at every small matter as if salvation consisted altogether of punctilios and could never be obtained without an arrival at the highest pitch of sanctity. If they pray sometimes when they think of it, read the scripture when their leisure best serves them and see the church now and then in fair weather. It is as much as is needed. Are not these whisperings of the serpent of an enchanting nature? Are not these kind of reasonings suited to most men's tempers who, in religion, affect rather to discover that invisible point where grace and nature part than to pursue after attainment of a perfect stature in holiness? Men think that a taste of godliness, like a little medicine on the knife's point, is more desirable than making it a man's daily food. Men deem a slight tincture of religion useful to themselves, and yet nauseate as some abominable thing the deep and double dye of it, so as to have it like a prevailing principle to give a law and rule to their whole conversation. The ground becomes fruitful not by receiving, but by accepting the seed that is cast into it, just so temptations become successful, not by the heart's bare reception of them, but by its secret relishing and affecting of them. If Satan, who is the evil seed man, scatters any seeds of temptations, to which the heart is as a prepared and disposed soil by the corrupt principles that lodge in it, they will quickly sprout forth into acts and grow into a root that will bear gall and wormwood. Can I then better put a period to this first general heading than by giving the good Christian a brief yet serious caution to listen to those corrupt reasonings with which Satan often feathers those arrows of temptation that are shot out of his bow, that they may the better reach the mark to which they are directed. Man is a reasonable creature and is apt to be swayed by anything that carries a semblance of reason. And if sin comes in any such dress, the will is soon gained to embrace the motion and the sin itself to be finished, which the apostle tells us bringeth forth death. James 1, 15. Chapter 4. An Enumeration of Satan's Wiles. A great part of my designated task is to discover the policies and devices of this grand master of craft, not by compiling an entire body or system of them or undertaking to give an exact and just account of their number, which is a work as hopeless as counting the stars and calling them by their names, 
but by singling and choosing out of the full heap some which in the spiritual warfare are of most frequent use and are of greatest danger, so that so every soldier of Christ who is engaged in it may see what need they have (coughs) to exercise watchfulness as well as courage, having to do with an adversary who is no less active in his subtleties than he is implacable in his malice. I would rather be cautious than valiant. The valiant are often ensnared, but the cautious seldom are. Device one. It is a pernicious device and wily strategy of Satan's to tempt by method and by the practice of lesser sins to make the way more facile for the commission of greater ones. He cast down none suddenly from the pinnacle of a high profession into the lowest abyss of wickedness, but leads them rather by oblique descents and turnings lower and lower until at last they take hold of hell. The beginnings of sin, as well as of grace, may fitly be resembled to a grain of mustard seed, which is of all seeds the least, but the growth of it is such that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Sin appears at first like Elijah's cloud and afterwards darkens the whole face of heaven. It is as the head of a river, which has no breadth or depth, yet by its running increases and swells into the similitude of a sea. Small offenses by Satan's industry become the parents of signal crimes. Has not anger, which sets no other bound to itself than blood and death, taken its rise from a small disgust or dislike, as sometimes a deadly gangrene comes from a slight prick of an artery? Have not completed impurities often derived themselves from the glance of a wanton eye or from some light and foolish gesture? Was the beginning of those complicated sins in David, his murder and adultery, not an unhallowed look? Did not lust, which like a moral jaundice, spreads its deformity over the whole man, display itself at first in the eye. It is Calvin's observation that those expressions in Psalm 1 of walking in the counsel of the ungodly, of standing in the way of sinners, and sitting in the seat of the scornful, point out how, by little and little, men turn aside from the right way. First, they hearken to wicked counsels and solicitations to sin, which are as the seed of evil actions. Then the devil entices them to join themselves in fellowship with sinners, till at length they become proud mockers, scorning both the reproofs of men and the judgments of God, Finally, through depraved principles of conscience, 
They speak good of evil and evil of good. Now, how this gradual manner of Satan's tempting serves his design of drawing men to sins of the greatest scandal and presumption, we may easily see if we do but consider that lesser sins make way for greater ones in four ways. First, by way of deception, men think of little sins as they do of slight distempers in the body. They are soon mastered and overcome. An ordinary decoction, a gentle sweat, or a few meals' abstinence are valid enough prescriptions to gain a clear riddance of a distemper and a resolution or two taken up of leaving what has been done or of doing otherwise than before will as readily cure the small sins. But there is no custom so weak that does not have more power over our nature than we intended first to give it insomuch that many have been overborne with those actions the effects whereof they presume to be at their own disposal. For as children turn round so long in sport, till at last they fall down when they would stand, so there are many who indulge themselves in little slips and failings, and thereby bring themselves to such an evil dizziness of mind as throws them down when they purpose to stand and to break off from the paths in which they walked. When, therefore, a man finds that he is tempted to sin because it is a little one and may at any time be as easily left as taken up, let him look upon it as a double imposture of the devil, who, if he makes it seem little in or before the doing of it, can make it appear much greater when it is done, or if he would persuade him that it may be without difficulty left, let him remember there is a wide difference between running up a hill and running down a hill. He who runs up a hill may stop when he will, but may not do so if he runs down. So if a man is climbing the hill of grace, he may sit down or slack his pace as he pleases. But once he steps down the hill of a bad life, he can hardly give over till he comes to the very bottom of it, till he has finished his sin, which, when it is finished, brings forth death. James one fifteen. That was episode seven of The Wiles of Satan.